So I wanted to put a disclaimer in immediately before the actual episode. So you'll know what you're getting yourself into today. And in today's and next week's episode, we are going to be talking about fashion. And no, I don't mean about what each celebrity wore to the Met Gala this year or what top is best for your body shape or body type. I'm talking about the fashion industry and the dangers involved, the influencers, the textiles, and better alternatives to purchasing from reckless companies. And these episodes are all about the harsh reality of what clothes and what fabrics we choose to put on our bodies, as well as the companies we support by purchasing and the ethics behind our consumerism. And we all have pleasures in our life that are things that we just can't give up or change, whether it's for selfish reasons or for reasons beyond our control. And that's okay, you know, we're human. Just do what you can if you can. I've shopped directly from Shein before, and I've unknowingly shopped at fast fashion tycoons because either a lack of knowledge or a lack of resources. But being aware of the environmental impacts, the socioeconomic impacts, everything, the ethics, being aware of that in the fashion industry has changed me completely. But I'm imperfect. I don't have a lot of money. I'm I'm a college student, or I was, but I'm going to be again, and I'm going to be back in debt. So I obviously cannot afford a $500, 100% ethically made dress. But being imperfectly sustainable is better than none at all. Hopefully you'll be able to get at least one tidbit of information to even slightly alter your contribution to the fashion world. But if it's just not possible, just communicate with each other. Know your options first. Good morning. I'm going to take a quick sip of coffee before we start. Was that ASMR? Like, was that audio appealing? Anyway, this is so gross. Anyway, good morning. By the time that this is uploaded, it's most likely not going to be morning anymore. I know it's Monday and it's only episode two and I'm already lagging with the uploads. I just had a rough week okay rough to say the least and I've been putting off the episode um for example I'm just gonna say this because it's so funny to me now but back then it was not I was looking for a particular dog from my local animal shelter for five years and my mom it was for my mom because I have my own puppy he's incredible I love him so you're looking for like five years and what do you know there was this cute little tiny puppy at the shelter finally So I booked it to get there. Anyway, so yay, we adopted him. He's so cute, so tiny, so sweet. And not even two hours after he got home, the fool left. Like, he was so far gone. He went down the driveway, took a left, and went to Whoville. Like, he was gone. We got the sheriff's office involved, the whole town. I'm famous in my Facebook town group chat now. Um, Yeah, it was bad. And then the next day... He just showed up at our door. And I was like, what the? Are you kidding? So, yeah, he's home now. But we printed off like 300 flyers or something. And 
Oh my god, it was so miserable. I, I'm so sorry if you've lost a pet before, because that is just taxing on the mind. Anyway, thank you for listening to that, like, mini tangent. Um, yeah, anyway, so hey, welcome back. Today's episode is everything fashion, and we're talking the industry, the trends, and the impact. So I'm just letting you know, this episode is going to be a long one. So either sit down and grab a snack, or do what I normally do and break it up over the course of a week. But please listen to it. Like, don't listen to the first minute and just say, okay, I've listened. Good job. That No, like, actually listen. It's really important. I promise you, you'll learn something. Um, but before we get into the actual subject matter or the meat, as I said last episode, I just want to talk about a few things. And first, I should probably clarify the structure of the podcast. So we're going to have the pre-music intro, and that's where I ranted about like the disclaimer that it's really important to actually care so that's our pre-music intro then we have the post-music intro which is this you know hey then then we have like a little ad sponsored segment whatever then we get into the meat of the podcast like the topics all that and then we have our cute little outro you know so it's pretty uh pretty put together i don't say so myself so now i want to talk about just how grateful I am. Um, the first episode was pretty rough for me because it was the introduction. There was no real subject matter that like I was super passionate about because we all kind of know who that girl is. I just had to solidify it in our minds, like all the stuff. But now we're getting to things that like I'm really excited to share with you guys and things that are really important to know, especially as like women in today's society, as consumers, things like that. And the amount of support that I've gotten is overwhelming like I honestly am so overwhelmed every day we've been listened to in 18 countries we've been sponsored but I'm I don't know how to say thank you enough like thank you guys so much I really do appreciate it um thank you so I also want to do something kind of different um I want to do a word of the day if that's like not too cliche I think it's a bit cliche but I don't really care I got these GRE flashcards, like vocab flashcards, when I wanted to take the GRE for my master's, but now I'm going to law school, so whatever. But I don't want to, like, make my money go to waste. I spend good money on these. There's 500 essential words here. Like, you know, that girl should be smart, so we're going to boost our vocab, you know? Yeah. Okay, so the word of the day is abate. It's a verb. Um, the definition is to reduce or diminish, and here's it being used in a sentence. <clears throat> Her stress over spending so much money on a house abated when the real estate bro- why did I say it like that? When the real estate broker told her about the property's 15-year tax abatement. I hope we learned something here today. Okay. Back to the actual podcast. In last week's episode, I had asked a question. I had actually asked two questions, and the questions were who is that girl to you? And do you believe that feminized titles are patronizing in all situations? And we didn't get a lot of responses, which kind of broke my heart, but it's fine, whatever. Except, oh my god, the love of my life, Anna Abel, the most incredible person you'll ever meet. I love you. Hey, Anna. Um, She sent in a voice recording to respond, and she honestly said it perfectly. She answered it perfectly, and I'm going to add that in right now so y'all can hear what she said. So... Hopefully you'll enjoy, and you'll enjoy her, like, beautiful voice, because I know that I do. 
Hi, Shadeen. So my version of that girl is refusing to buy Gymshark outfits to wear to the gym because even though that is the current trend, you don't see how changing what you wear to exercise in will make you a happier, healthier person. You have to decide what are the things that make you feel good about yourself, what makes you feel strong, and you have to set reasonable goals that you know you can accomplish and that you know will benefit your well-being. I think that feminized terms such as that girl, girl boss, and it girl must be used exclusively between women, either in an ironic sense or with an understanding of what the term specifically means to the individual that you are talking to. Otherwise, if it comes from a man, it feels sexist, or from someone you don't know, it feels like a push for conforming to certain standards that may be unrealistic for you. Okay, bye, love you. I'm not gonna lie, when I first heard that recording and I heard the, okay, love you, bye, at the end, had me in tears. Like, it was so funny the way she said it. I love you, Anna. Anyway, thank you so much for responding. Um, If you guys want to do the same and be like Anna, you know, very engaged, um... I will have a question at the end of this week too and you can send in a voice recording to respond with what you believe. So this week's episode will focus primarily on the environmental impact of the fashion industry and next week's episode will be on social issues and fast fashion and the loss of ethics within the industry. So if you're here you're probably very much so into fashion or curious about what the hell the fashion industry even is. Um, let's talk about fashion versus style first, because I feel like people think that those two terms are interchangeable when they really aren't, and I feel like it should be talked about. We should just cover it really quick. So, fashion is a term to describe the clothing that's in now. It's what's currently trending, the fads, a sign of the times, if you will. And in order to go along with these fashion trends, you'd be wearing the same articles of clothing that are being offered in retail stores or advertised in magazines shown on the runway, or even worn by favorite influencers. And fashion trends are just that. They are trends. They're constantly changing, and honestly, it can be both exhausting and quite expensive to keep up with all these trends, like what's in, what's out, things like that. So whenever someone says, oh my god, like you're so fashionable, or that's so in fashion right now, it means that the garment in question, or like the article of clothing, whatever it is, is something that the general population finds popular. And speaking of trends, um, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, okay, kid's a strong word, like not that long ago, I love to go on YouTube and watch those videos that showcase the changes in styles throughout the decades from places like the US to India, Russia, wherever. And you'll notice that in a lot of these nations, they all kind of were influenced off of each other and shared very similar fashion trends during each decade with you know the variations due to culture and different portions of the time periods for example in the mid 80s there was electric hues bold eyeshadow big hair and a heavy emphasis on accessories like scrunchies and it wasn't just in the united states there was other nations that did the same fashion can be very broad and it influences society as a whole Meaning there's a disconnect between what you're wearing, because it's what everyone else is wearing, and your personality. And what's in fashion might not appeal to you. That's okay, because that's where style ties in. While fashion is talking about your relationship to the external world, style is a very intimate, internal relationship. And in reality, it has nothing to do with fashion. It's where you wear what you choose to wear as an indication of your beliefs, your comfort, your individuality. 
And unlike fashion, style is not a trend. It's a mindset. You choose your clothing based on your own preferences, priorities, and taste. For example, your style might be comfort-oriented. You also might take inspiration from other cultures. Not cultural appropriation, though. Don't forget. Or inspiration from other time periods. Or maybe you absolutely adore a certain color scheme and you choose to primarily use those colors to complement your physical features. Or to express your internal feelings. I'm sitting in the most uncomfortable position right now and it feels like i'm anyway let's move on um (laughs) i hope that you now have a solid understanding of the distinction between fashion and style because now we're going to talk about how all that mumbo jumbo ties into being that girl and as we said in the first episode social media's version of that girl has her life together to a t and one part of that is always looking fashionable yes I said fashionable, and no, I did not say stylish. Because social media's version of that girl is a fashion trend. It's what's popular among a large group of people, in particular young women. And they can all agree that this aesthetic surrounding this persona is conventionally attractive. There's like the symmetry, gentle and comforting tones, and a refreshing cleanliness to this trend that makes it hard to look away. I know there's like some controversy around using the word cleanliness, but that's like how the trend is perceived. The aesthetic for that girl, and I'm talking about clothing and accessories, not makeup or hair, is simplistic and classy. She's normally dressed in neutral and muted tones like black, white, gray, brown, burnt sienna, sage, green, comfort colors, things like that. And a lot of the textiles and fabric used happen to have like 60s to 70s inspired patterns. And I'm thinking, like, right now in my head of that green dress that I've seen everywhere. Like, it's the light green with the dark green waves on it, if you know what I mean. But she also has, like, this girl boss tinge to it where she's wearing, like, large overcoats, matching suit sets, things like that. And it's, like, a power move. I, I can I can dig that, you know? Like, I can get, I can get jiggy with that. <laughs> but um for every day she's also wearing like light wash denim business suit bottoms that are flared or tapered at the ankle tight tank tops or crop tops um tops with spaghetti straps knit tanks are pretty cute they're pretty in with it um bralettes baby t-shirts high neck sweater tanks things like that and for accessories gold jewelry seems to be a huge trend and it's usually either very dainty and very delicate or their statement pieces and big and chunky. Another big accessory that's like pretty cohesive with this trend are plastic retro sunglasses. And what's coming to my mind is like those black plastic frames, like the rectangular ones. Those are like all over the videos that I've seen. They're very big, I think. Um, as for footwear, whenever I say footwear, I think of when I used to work at Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> I was a footwear associate, anyway. When I think of footwear, I think of casual white sneakers, and no, I do not mean filas, I mean Air Force Ones. I also think of kitten heels, which are, like, normally open-toed, like, typically, and they're very dainty, very delicate, very feminine, with about a one-inch heel. Okay, and I'm that's as far as I'm gonna go, because honestly, your version of that girl doesn't necessarily need to be this fashion trend. It's your own style, and you might love 
this trend, you know, you might love it. You might gladly accept inspiration from it. I know that I do because I'm a very earthy person. Um, side note, I'm a Capricorn. So, fellow Capricorns and earth signs, how y'all doing? So, and my entire life's purpose revolves around nature and the environment. So, I love the earth tones in this trend. I've always loved them. I also love gold jewelry, but not because, once again, this trend, but gold complements my skin tone best, like my undertones, everything about that. And I've loved all these before this fashion trend rose, but I'm not going to lie, it does feel a little bit easier to express that since this trend came out. Some people might not like this trend. They might hate aspects of it or just hate all of it. Maybe sage green isn't for you, or maybe you'd feel more confident in silver jewelry. It it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Wear whatever makes you the happiest because if you're wearing something just because you're aware that it's in fashion and not just because you genuinely enjoy it, then sorry to be blunt, but that's stupid. Like, that's just dumb. Okay, that's dummy dumb. Because life is so short, okay? Why are you wasting it fitting into a season-long fad just to be accepted by people that don't reflect your personality when you could be wearing something that makes you feel your most confident, your sexiest, your best, and attract people that reflect the same artistic eye and mindsets that you're trying to flaunt. When you're dressing the way that you want to, you're going to feel happier and more confident. And when you're happier and more confident, you're a better version of yourself than when you're trying to fit into a triangle-shaped box when you're a diamond. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Wear what you want. Like, whatever is best for you, do you. Because fashion trends are gonna come and go like you can't stop it my beef isn't with this fashion trend itself um the only beef that i have with this trend and i'm kind of like reaching right now like i'm i had to look for something wrong with this trend is the fact that when she's dressing down for a lazy day she still manages to look dressed up i mean like in the comfort of your own home that girl seems to be wearing like a matching loungewear set with a full face of makeup Her hair perfectly done, really heavy and chunky jewelry. But at the same time, like, this is where I'm reaching. Because I understand wanting to look good for yourself. Like, if you want to wake up in the morning and get dressed like that to start your day off in your own house, go for it. Like, I know that there are days where if I, like, don't put my hair up and, like, look good, even if I'm not going anywhere, I'll get, like, low-key depressed. Because I like to dress up and look purposeful. Like, I like to think that I have something going on. So yeah, I'm reaching. I'm just going to retract that statement. Do whatever the hell you want with your fashion. I don't care. Or your style. My actual beef, which is like the main topic of this episode, is with the fashion industry as a whole. As well as the brands influencing it. And it's not necessarily directed at the that girl fashion trend. I'm positive that you've heard people mention the fashion industry in conversation. But what is that? Um, I feel like when people say the fashion industry or the music industry, it's one of those things that people say like society or big pharma or the government in a way that we all understand who we are referring to, but on a very general, broad, and disconnected level. It's almost as if we're referring to an untouchable enigma. That's what I think of. So let me reveal to you what is actually covered under the whole blanket term, the fashion industry, so it doesn't feel so disconnected. When you think of the fashion industry, chances are your mind goes to the glam of it. I mean, fashion week, 
modeling luxury apparel, getting your hands on the newest Prada bag or Louis Vuitton satchel, or the evolution of the latest trends. Maybe you'll even think of retail stores or online shopping, fashion magazines, or just plain clothes. You're not wrong, like that's part of the industry, but there's more to it. The fashion industry is a combination of a variety of smaller niche industries, okay? So you have the people that actually produce and sell the raw materials and the textiles and fabrics used to make the clothing from all over the world. And some are man-made materials, including polyester, nylon, rayon, and acrylic. Whereas some are grown as crops, including cotton, linen, silk, and wool. Okay, not crops, but they're grown. You know, like, you can't grow a silk plant. Like, that that comes from worm. Anyway, okay, caterpillars. Ugh, anyway, whatever. So, then we have craftspeople that convert these textiles to clothing and accessories And these people include seamstresses, flower makers, tailors, and embroiders. And this is where the controversies of sweatshops and child labor comes in, but that'll be covered more so in next week's episode. We're going broader right now, like covering the bases. There's also the side of the industry that involves marketing and advertising, and that's the side that a lot of people tend to think of when they think of the fashion industry. It's The fashion shows full of models, designers, brands, creative entrepreneurs, stylists, agents and photographers, set producers, makeup artists, and just the people that help make the face of fashion the face of fashion. And we also can't forget about the exporting and importing of clothes or textiles to retailers, suppliers, and wholesalers across the globe. So think about it. We have the raw materials of cotton or acrylic, which are then shipped to God knows where, to be processed and worked into becoming a fabric textile, which are then shipped to, again, God knows where, to become a clothing article, which, when finished, are then shipped to God knows where for inspection or advertising purposes, which are, wait for it, yeah, then shipped to God knows where, you got it, for selling. And there are thousands upon thousands of steps and companies that are between the production of the raw materials and the final products, And in this industry, which is primarily consumer-driven, it is a very fast-paced environment. Trends are always coming and going based on the evolution of consumer demand, meaning there's constant change in production and constant production of waste and emissions. So next time you think of the fashion industry, I hope you'll now understand that there's more to it than just the marketing side. There's production, transport, marketing, more transport, economics, more transport, purchasing and selling, and waste. So now that we've briefly summarized what the fashion industry encompasses, we can now dive in deeper to some certain sectors. As I said, in today's episode, we're going to focus on environmental impacts and implications of the fashion industry, as well as some eco-friendly alternatives to shop from and what changes you can make as a consumer based on your personal situation and choosing the lesser of two evils. Whoa! Oh my god, my phone fell. Sorry if you heard that, guys. So environmentalism, concern for the environment, all of that has become the hottest topic among Gen Z, and rightfully so. There has been a rise in concern regarding our planet's health after years of blatant disregard and neglect from previous generations has been brought to light. So hopefully after understanding the environmental impact fashion has, you'll care a little bit more about what you're purchasing, what you're putting on your body, and hopefully you'll feel like a little bit less disconnected. In case you didn't know this, sorry to tell you, 
The fashion industry is the second largest polluter in the world, right after the oil industry, and it's only getting worse. This industry has polluted oceans, the atmosphere, overconsumed water, produced damaging amounts of textile waste, introduced chemicals into our lives, and completely destroyed soils and rainforests. Yeah, not a fun list, but it's the truth. And I'm going to give details, facts, all of that about every scenario where fashion has harmed the environment and its impact but once again we only have so much time i can't dive deep into every single issue so first let's cover the industry's polluting problem this industry alone accounts for 10 percent of the global carbon emissions which is all due to the energy used during production manufacturing and transporting the millions of clothing articles purchased annually And most of the clothes that we wear from well-known brands are produced in nations like China, Bangladesh, and India, where they're essentially completely coal-powered. And if you don't know the full extent of coal, it's the dirtiest energy form for carbon emissions. Yeah, pretty upsetting. And in the countries where the clothing articles are produced, the textile factories dump the untreated toxic wastewater directly into rivers, which, you know flow into lakes, into ponds, other streams, and eventually the ocean. And when I say toxic wastewater, I don't mean like dirty with dust, okay? I don't mean there's piss or spit in it. I mean there is lead, mercury, arsenic, chemicals like that. And they're all compounds that are devastating to aquatic ecosystems, as well as the millions of people that live off of these riverbanks. And Once the wastewater spreads to the ocean, that impact becomes global. And not only is wastewater polluting the freshwater and the ocean and all of that, so is cotton clothing because the fertilizers that are used in cotton production pollute runoff waters as well as the water that's evaporated and recycled into the water cycle. Whenever I used to think of getting clothing that's like made of natural fibers, I thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, this is such a good environmental impact. Like, there's no implications. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't believe that. Yes, it's natural. Yes, it will decompose. But it's still riddled with chemicals. It's still grown using fertilizers. Just something to keep in mind. And to bring this water pollution problem a little bit closer to home, let's address microfibers. You've probably heard of them. Microfibers, microplastics, you know, the micros. So a majority of clothing on this planet is made from plastic-based fabrics, including rayon, nylon, and polyester. And every time that we wash these synthetic articles of clothing, these fabrics shed these tiny little plastic fragments, which are called microfibers. And these microfibers are the most common type of microplastic or a plastic piece that's less than five millimeters in diameter. And they're commonly found everywhere in our environment. And About 1,900 individual microfibers are released into the water with every synthetic garment wash. To make matters worse, researchers have discovered that microfibers can be found in virtually every single environment, ranging from shorelines to the seafloor to the snow in the Alps and the Arctic. And the worst part is that they are practically impossible to clean up, okay? You can't just, like, look on the ground and say, oh my god, I found one, and just take it home with you. Like, That's not how it works. They're called micro for a reason. They're so hard to see. And there's just too many of them. Like, you heard the fact. I mean, 1,900 individual microfibers per synthetic article, garment, whatever, clothing, wash. That's a lot. That's so much. But why should we care? Like, why should you care? It's because once these microfibers are introduced into waterways, 
They're ingested by small aquatic organisms. Then they're eaten by small fish, then bigger fish, and then they're introduced to our food chain. And maybe you don't eat fish. Maybe you're vegan or maybe you just hate the taste of fish or seafood in general. So you're like, oh, it doesn't impact me. Wrong. You're also drinking the water that those fibers have polluted. So in one way or another, you're consuming an H&M crop top, sweetie. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. And, you know, honestly, even if it didn't impact you at all, you should still care. Okay? Like, it impacts someone else. Remember how I said that girl's empathetic? Be empathetic. Sorry to get a little bit heated there. I've just tried recording this clip like 12 times. My butt's starting to hurt, so I'm a bit grumpy. Anyway, while we're on the topic about water, let's talk about the industry's overconsumption of water. Not only is the fashion industry the world's second largest polluter, but it's the world's second most water-intensive industry, as it consumes about 79 billion cubic meters of water per year. I mean, in order to dye one ton of fabric alone, it can take up to 200 tons of fresh water. And as for the production, processing, and finishing of conventional textiles, about 100 to 150 liters of water is required per one kilogram of fiber. And cotton is the most water-intensive crop. There are way more stats as to how much water is consumed in each part of the manufacturing process, but you get the gist. It's intensive. Think about it this way, okay? There are over 2.5 billion people currently experiencing water scarcity. Stephen Leahy from The Guardian says, and I quote, 85% of the daily needs and water of the entire population of India would be covered by the water used to grow cotton in that country. 100 million people in India do not have access to drinking water. Moving on to the production of waste, we allude to fast fashion. Clothing has become completely disposable as trends evolve at a concerning rate and... It's because fast fashion produces clothes that are meant to be tossed when the trends are tossed, you know? Americans only recycle or donate about 15% of used clothes per year, while about 10.5 million tons of textile waste go to the landfills. And what does that mean? Textiles have one of the poorest recycling rates of any reusable material. And, you know, um, do you remember that one time, like, I don't know, five or so minutes ago where I said that the majority of clothing on this planet are made from synthetic plastic-based fabrics, including rayon, nylon, and polyester? You know, the ones that shed the microplastics into our waterways and our food chains. Yeah, those. Um, They're used in about 72% of our clothing, and they're not biodegradable, meaning it can take up to 200 years for them to decompose cute right no anyway moving on oh my god it's getting so depressing when i keep saying moving on or let's move on to this because i wish it would just stop like i wish it would stop but like i don't wish it was pollution but like i wish it was just pollution not anything else but you know i don't make the rules so now let's talk about chemicals chemicals are one of the main components in our clothes as they're used in every part of the textile production process they're used during fiber production bleaching, dyeing, wet processing, and more. And the heavy use of chemicals in the cotton farming industry alone is causing diseases and premature death among cotton farmers. Um, To make the whole chemical issue a bit more personal, a Greenpeace study, which is included in the sources in the links, identified 11 chemicals frequently used to make clothes that include toxins, carcinogens, and hormone disruptors that should be banned, but, you know, aren't. And... Don't forget that our skin is our largest organ, okay? And it absorbs 
everything and anything you put onto it. So that's why when you use lotion, it goes deeper and penetrates the skin barrier, all of that. And when we wrap this organ in fabrics, we're absorbing those toxins that impact other organs into our body. So yeah, be sure to always wash your new clothes before you wear them for the first time because they're still on there. So we've covered pollution so far. We've covered water consumption, waste production, and chemical exposure. So now we can talk about soil degradation caused by the fashion industry. I could make at least like three podcast episodes about the importance of soil. I love me some soil, okay? I took a soils class at Tech. Um, I finished the lab. I didn't finish the lecture because regardless of how we did in that class, I love and respect soil. The reason that soil is so important to me is that it is one of the most important elements in our ecosystem. It is a huge carbon sink where our planet's soil alone contains about 2,500 gigatons of carbon, which is more than three times the amount of carbon in the atmosphere and four times the carbon stored in all living plants and animals. It's also, you know, a requirement of food production and the fashion industry holds so much responsibility for soil degradation across the world due to issues like overgrazing of pastures through cashmere goats and sheep raised for their wool, um, as well as the degradation of soil due to massive uses of chemicals to grow cotton and deforestation caused by wood-based fibers like rayon. All of these processes completely disrupt the ecosystem, primarily by reducing plant life. The plants are necessary to keep soil healthy as the roots stabilize the soil and cycle nutrients throughout it. And without them, the soil becomes loose, unstable, and subjected to the layers weathering away. And poor soil presents a major threat to global food security, as well as contributes to global warming. So going back to deforestation caused by the production of wood-based fibers like rayon, viscose, and modal. Modal? Modal. M-O-D-A-L. Look it up. Thousands upon thousands of acres of endangered forests, like the Amazon rainforest, are cut down and replaced by plantations to make these fibers. The loss of these rainforests are threatening both the ecosystem as well as displacing indigenous communities and wildlife. Damn, that was a lot of information at once, but congratulations, you now have a surface level understanding of the impact of the fashion industry. There's so much more that the industry does to the environment, but once again, we're on a time constraint, people. Okay, let's move. So hopefully, I provided you with enough information that makes you at least begin to care. But I'm not telling you these things to scare you. I'm telling you so that you'll be concerned and want change. You know, if you haven't noticed, while we can do our part and make better choices as consumers, a lot of the harm that's done within this industry is, for the most part, out of our control. There comes a point when the consumer can only do so much based on the resources at our discretion and... A lot of the blame falls within the lack of regulations these nations have on the industry. And there are constant reports of brands and textile manufacturers hiding their toxic impacts on the environment, as well as their abusive management tactics and treatment of their workers. And that's not within our control. We can't help that. But what is in our control is being informed about where our clothes come from, what brands to avoid, supporting small businesses, and trying to purchase better quality clothing. So we touched down on where clothing comes from, but it definitely varies based on brands and companies. Think about the quality of fabric from Nasty Gal is definitely much different than a brand like Pact. And in next week's episode, we'll discuss more about brands to avoid. So right now we're going to talk about some eco-friendly alternatives to shop from. 
as well as the changes that you as a consumer can make based on your own personal situation and choosing the lesser of two evils. And before we look at our options, do not go through your closet and throw out clothes because it was either made by a bad brand or because it's made of a synthetic fiber or it's made with water-intensive cotton. By throwing it away, you're just adding to the waste problem. If you still like the clothes and you still wear it, don't toss it. Just purchase better next time. Don't punish old you for not being aware. That's not their fault. Like, you didn't know that. And, I mean, if you do want to get rid of it because it's just not your style anymore, it doesn't fit you, you've grown out of it, whatever, donate or give it to a friend, you know? Just don't toss it. You don't need to do that. But when you do look at options for better quality brands, believe it or not, a lot of brands do realize how dangerous the fashion industry is and how reform is absolutely needed. So I've compiled a list of fashion companies, big and small, that work to reverse damages done to the environment by either offsetting carbon emissions by providing quality clothing articles and accessories produced humanely and with minimal environmental damages, or they donate a portion of the revenue to nonprofits that aim to help the environment. And once again, I really do want to emphasize that it's okay to not be perfectly sustainable and to purchase from a not-so-good company if you're limited in your options. However, if you have the funds and the opportunity to purchase from and support a better quality business, please give it a shot. I've explained why already, so please just take the time to check out some other companies first or do your own research before going back to your default brands. So on the podcast, I'm just going to offer a few options, but please take the time to look at the link for a wider range. Also, just a little heads up, none of these brands that I'm about to talk about have reached out or sponsored this. I just genuinely love these brands for their quality and for their ethics. Also, there is a directory Good On You provides where you can either type in the name of a brand and see how ethical and sustainable they are, or you can use their database to search ethical brands for something that works for you. So one of my favorite brands that I've shopped from is called Tentree. Um, it's not very uncommon, honestly. I've, I'm pretty sure a lot of you know who or what that is, but you don't understand how much I love Tentree, okay? I really wanted a pair of bike shorts for a while, but I was aware that the fabric they're typically made from is synthetic, and I also didn't want to support an unsustainable company. So after like doing my research, whatever, I turned to Tentree. And if you don't know, Tentree is an ethical, environmentally conscious brand where everything you purchase from them plants 10 trees. They've already planted over 60 million trees in six different forest types worldwide. I mean, you can even track how many trees that you've planted personally. I personally purchased the In Motion bike shorts for $45 recently. I think it was like a few months ago. And, you know, that price may seem steep for some or cheap to others. Um, but it was worth it to me, you know. For each item, they tell you how many liters of water, kilograms of carbon, and grams of waste its production saved. And the best part to me, not the best part, but one of the best parts is they're made from recycled post-consumer garments instead of brand new material. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, when I heard that, I was like, ew, it's going to feel bad. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be really uncomfortable. I wear these shorts all the time. I love them. They are so comfortable, amazing quality. Give them a shot. Some other clothing brands that I like and that people have recommended to me include Parade, which has sustainable undies. Pact, which is, they have amazing leggings. I'm not even lying. I love their leggings. This other brand called Four Days, not four as in the number, but four as in F-O-R, uses a lot of eco-friendly materials like organic cotton. Yes, organic. Important. 
Um, other brands include Richard Poor, Vitamin A, things like that. I guess I have to mention this brand because they are incredible. Um, the brand is called Holskern. Holskern is a small startup based in Austria where they produce classic but unique timeless watches. <laughs> Get it? Timeless. Watches that'll go with anything. And they are great staple pieces and are made from natural material like wood and stone. And they also believe in the more giving than taking phrase. So for every watch that they sell, they invest one euro into reforestation projects, the development of more sustainable packaging, the occupation of people with physical or mental disabilities, and more. And they also have excellent customer service. Like, they're so sweet. And the boxes that the watches come in are incredible. They're made from wood. They're so unique. I love them. So if you're looking for a gift, I know Christmas is coming up. If you're looking for a gift for your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your significant other, please just check them out. Another platform that is good to look through for sustainable companies, small businesses, is Etsy. I love Etsy. I use them more for like makeup and skincare and things like that. Like my bar shampoo comes from them. But I've gotten my sunglasses from there. I forgot the company. I'll include it though. They're amazing. I got them for like 20 bucks and I purchased two pairs and they just didn't fit me right. So I contacted the customer service rep and oh my gosh, they were so quick to respond. So sweet. Shopping at small businesses is so relaxing because I don't ever have to worry about not being able to reach out to them, like not being able to have an open communication or an open line of communication with them. Um, yeah, so I guess check out Etsy too. But I'm also aware that buying new clothes does add up. Like when I think about buying through fast fashion, um, you can get a lot of clothes for like $200. The quality shit though, like you have to admit it's horrible and you're supporting a horrible business. You're just not being a good consumer. But it is cheaper than buying brand new from a good quality brand. Oh my god. <clears throat> my voice. Sorry. I guess I need more coffee. But yeah, so it's, it's not always practical to buy brand new from a good quality brand because it is a bit steep sometimes. Can't deny that. So if you can, consider secondhand shopping. The only time that I would ever buy from Shein or Princess Polly again is... If the article is already on Facebook Marketplace or at a secondhand shop. Because by buying that, I'm preventing more waste from going to the landfill. And somebody else already did the damage by purchasing from the actual company, the fast fashion company. So the damage is already done. It's better to buy used than new. So if it's already there, why not? Um, let's talk about thrifting real fast. I know that thrifting has become somewhat of a controversy lately. Don't get it twisted though. Thrifting is still one of the most sustainable ways to consume fashion and textiles because it keeps clothing in the cycle of use and consumption much longer than fast fashion does and less money is used to produce more new clothing. However, as thrifting has become more popular in this generation, gentrification has become a problem where people go to thrift shops, they purchase up all the affordable but trendy clothing and resell it at a much higher value. And this causes thrift shops to mark up their prices to match that and compete, which makes the clothing less accessible to the people who actually need to shop there that can't afford to shop elsewhere. And it's a sad reality where the upper class has once again ruined something good for their own selfish monetary gain. 
some TikToks even compare these people to landlords. And honestly, where's the lie? Like, there isn't one. Another secondhand option that I love is Facebook Marketplace. Um, I actually have to stop recording soon because I have someone trying to pick up a table and chair set from me on Facebook Marketplace. But I love Facebook Marketplace. Um, you could also try tag sales, yard sales, rummage sales. I, oh my god, wait. I just went to a tag sale in a town over and I want to be like a woodland elf. I think that's a word for Halloween for the brunch part of Halloween and I want like a longer dress because it's going to be colder. It's going to be like October 31st. It's not going to be warm. So flowy and elf like and maybe has some tool on it to like get that fairy part of it. I don't know. So I went to a tag sale and I found a $10 wedding dress. Yes, I said wedding dress, but it's so cute. The zipper's broken, but I can fix that. No problem. But it's such good quality. It's vintage from the 70s, but I'm going to use that for a Halloween costume. And 10 bucks? Like, are you shitting me? That's such a good deal. Anyway, um, sorry. I just got like really passionate there for a second. I'm really proud of that purchase. Okay, leave me alone. So you can also do hand-me-downs. Okay, my mom was a fashionista in the 80s like that woman knew how to dress and she still does okay my, my mom's got taste she only bought good quality clothes like it was expensive but she would always say that her dad said you buy one piece of clothing and it'll last you forever you know like you buy one good quality piece and that's yours for a lifetime and he was right like she has these amazing quality shoes and dresses and suits and they're in excellent condition and I wear them all the time. Like if you see me wearing leather kitten heels, yes, I said leather, um, mind your business. Okay, they're from the 80s. I love them. They're great quality. Yeah. So aside from like thrift shopping in person and tag sales, whatever, try online thrift shops like The Real Real or ThreadUp. I love the real real because whether we want to admit it or not a lot of luxury brands are made to last so if you don't know what the real real is it's a luxury resale company where they do have a mission to prolong the shelf life of good quality clothing and accessories so it keeps clothes out of landfills it offers easier access to luxury brands for consumers and it gives people the option to wear better quality clothes that'll match less longer than a runway garment you know i actually got my graduation shoes from there as well as a beautiful cotton dress and they're both amazing quality and they're both staple pieces in my wardrobe. They're investments to me that will just keep on giving. They are such good quality. They are not going anywhere anytime soon. I love them. Um, the Real Real also has a program where they will repair and restore old clothes to reduce landfill waste. And the products that they can't sell are either donated or recycled. They even have a sustainability calculator, which has shown that they saved about 20,200 metric tons of carbon and 976 million liters of water. Like, bro, that's so good. Uh, another online thrift shop is ThreadUp, and I've never used ThreadUp, but it's pretty much the same concept as the Real Real, but I don't think it's as focused on luxury clothes. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but... They're also a company that's very driven and focused on their sustainability, saying that, and I quote, thrifting is about more than just finding amazing deals on your favorite brands. It's about shopping with intention, rejecting throwaway fashion culture, and standing for sustainability. The clothes we wear have the power to create change. Beautifully said, ThreadUp. Whoever's on your marketing team, give them a kiss for me. 
So I'm on my way to sell a table and chair set for Marketplace. So I'll be back in recording soon. Sorry that this podcast is not up yet, but say hi to everyone, mom. Hi. Okay, love you, TTYLXOX. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm back. Sorry for the intermission. So we left off talking about secondhand clothing, but what do you do if you've been looking everywhere for one particular garment and you've checked through every sustainable, ethical, and environmentally friendly company you could with no luck? And what do you do if the thrift stores come up with nothing either? Or what if you've checked Facebook Marketplace and not a single thing catches your eye? Or maybe the sellers are being creepy because that happens. Be careful out there. You could always sew your own clothes. Um, You could pick up some really good quality fabric from the store and just go to town, you know? But realistically, I know that a lot of you do not have that kind of time or energy. And maybe you just don't have a sewing machine or, pardon me, but the talent. Because, you know, that's not a bad thing. But sewing is definitely an art form that not everyone can master. And that's totally okay. So what do you do when you've gone through all of your options? This is where personal opinion and personal judgment has to come in you got to pick the lesser of the two evils so at this point you're going to shop wherever but you're left with two options in that sense you either can go online or to brick and mortar shops you know there's so many variable factors when deciding if ordering clothes online or getting them in store is better for the environment um one study found that online shopping assumes an average of 30 percent less energy than traditional brick and mortar shopping and this was mainly because people drive to source to purchase products but on the other side of the spectrum another study says that shopping online has a greater impact on the environment when considering that many people don't drive alone but go shopping with others shoppers also often engage in other activities while at the mall so miles traveled can't only be assigned to just shopping Also, a lot more goods purchased online get returned at a rate of 33% compared to just 7% from brick-and-mortar stores. Also, online products do often require a lot more packaging than their in-store counterparts. But once again, there's so much variability. Maybe you do prefer to shop alone. Maybe you don't have access to fuel-efficient transportation. And maybe you're known to return things quite often in-store, you know? It varies from situation to situation, so what you need to do is... You need to analyze your own habits and patterns and determine which one you think is better for your lifestyle and better for the environment. So once you do that and you've decided where you'll be shopping from, decide what you'll be purchasing. You gotta weigh your options against each other. So for example, if I were to look for a slip dress that had a shine to it, my main options are a polyester rayon blend or traditional silk. So to get that shine, the dress would be made from a satin weave, and satin is a type of weave composed of synthetic fibers, which are typically polyester or rayon. Satin, however, used to be made traditionally using silk, which is, as we know, a natural fiber. And while it may seem like an easy solution, oh, choose the silk, it's natural. While silk is a natural fiber that will not last hundreds of years in a landfill, or shed microfibers into our streams like polyester or rayon wood, the process that's used to make silk isn't cheap. And it's not necessarily cruelty-free either. Silkworms are boiled alive in their cocoons until they unravel. So both options have their flaws. It just, it comes down to which one you think would be better for the environment. Okay, so what about if the garment you've been searching for only comes in one fabric type and it's not a good one? For example, the synthetic fabric acrylic. But you know that you would wear the hell out of it and it wouldn't just sit in your closet or end up in a landfill within the next year. 
If you've been searching this hard for a singular piece of clothing that you had to go through all of these levels to get to here, then I would get it. So long as you're getting your money's worth and putting it to good use, it only makes sense. You've analyzed your options, you've looked for alternatives, and you're aware that this is an article that's going to be a staple and something that's not going to leave your wardrobe the second it enters it. So, yeah, you're not going to find everything sustainable, just as long as you're trying your best. So I mentioned different materials here and there, some man-made and some natural, like cotton and rayon. I did just say that it's a good idea to choose between materials when you have the options, so let's go through the different options that you have. So as we said, there are two main categories of fibers that you can look into. There's natural and synthetic. So natural is plant or animal based, and they do have quite a few advantages. For example, they're very absorbent. They have a high affinity for water. Um, they are relatively eco-friendly. We talked about this. Cotton is very controversial, but natural fibers don't use as many chemicals during the production process as their synthetic counterparts. So that's something to take into consideration. So we can talk about four main fibers that you'll most likely come across. Uh, we have cotton, linen, wool, and silk. So we know cotton is controversial. It's primarily composed of cellulose, which makes it very strong and durable. It's also soft and fluffy. You know, it has a big problem being the most water-intensive crop. There's a lot of controversy over the pesticides and all of that, the chemicals used, the fertilizers. Linen is a strong and lightweight fabric made from the flax plant. It's naturally hypoallergenic, which is very good. It's breathable, and it is a great textile for warm weather, so. Wool is another natural fiber. It comes from the hair of sheep, goats, alpacas, llamas, you know. There's, like, different types, too. There's cashmere, angora, things like that. It's very warm, very absorbent, and very durable. It is very heavy, so it's definitely meant for outerwear and for cold weather clothing. Then there's also silk, which is produced by insects. Uh, it's a material from their nests and cocoons. The most common type of silk is made from silkworms, and the silk is actually made primarily of a protein called a fibroin, and it's known for its shine and softness. Once again, it's not cruelty-free. The silkworms do die in the process. So that was quite brief. Let's go to man-made. Um, so since synthetic fibers are man-made artificial fibers, they have many benefits for daily use, including affordability. They are cheaper, and there's many synthetic fabrics that are imitation versions of natural fibers. They are stain-resistant, and they are waterproof and water-resistant, so that's something to think about, too, if that fits better for your lifestyle. We'll also talk about four main fibers from this category, being polyester, acrylic, spandex, and rayon. I'm certain you've all heard of polyester. It's like in everything that you wear now. But polyester is a synthetic fiber created from coal and petroleum. It's very durable, but it's not breathable and it's not absorbent. So it's not recommended for the summer months or the warmer months. Then there's acrylic, which is a synthetic fiber made from polymers formed by acrylonitrile or vinyl cyanide. Acrylic is often used as like an imitation wool because it does retain heat well. So then there's spandex, you know, like Nike spandex, bike shorts. Spandex is a synthetic fiber characterized by its elasticity, you know, but it's also a blend of several fibers to get that stretch. Then there's rayon, and rayon is a semi-synthetic fiber made from reconstituted wood pulp. So yeah, it's derived from plant fibers, but it is considered semi-synthetic because of the chemicals used in the process, like sodium hydroxide and carbon disulfide. Rayon can also be used as an imitation for a bunch of different natural fibers, ranging from silk to wool, things like that. It's, it's quite versatile. Yeah, that concludes this podcast.
thank you so much for sticking around i know that was so much information at once but thank you and i hope you learned something i hope this episode makes you want to be a better consumer or fight for reform in the fashion industry i hope that something's ignited inside of you you know if you want to hear about the fast fashion part of the industry i'm sorry that i guess i couldn't include it this episode is already way too long it will be your next monday i promise um yeah i really don't want to prolong this episode anymore so let's just end it but before we do here are our questions for today the first one is are there any eco-friendly brands that you love and want to share with the rest of us And the second one is, what are some steps that you take, drastic or not, to dress more sustainably? Well, that concludes the episode. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please leave us a good review on iTunes. And if not, the DMs are open. Come on in. The Instagram is, so you want to be that girl. We really want to know what you think, any topics you want to cover, questions, concerns, all of that. Just hit our line, let us know. But yeah, I hope you have a good week. Enjoy your middle of October. Get ready for Halloween, all that fun stuff. So yeah, I will see you here next week with a continuation of the fashion industry. Love you. Bye.